When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the MLS Multiplex Podcast. As always, it is Drew here with Josh and Connor catching you up on all things in the crazy world of Major League Soccer, CONCACAF, and soccer all over the place. So thank you guys so much for tuning in to another awesome episode. We have a lot to talk about between Major League Soccer being in action, CONCACAF Champions League being in action. Before we get into our fun episode discussing soccer, it's been about a week since we've talked last. It's been an eventful week with school wrapping up, some of us getting to go to actual soccer games. So we will hear about that. I'm very excited to talk about that. But Connor... Looks like you've wrapped up school. We're on finals week, but you're on a little break. So how has the past week been treating you with getting off school, wrapping up some exams? It has been an interesting week is probably the best way of putting it. Uh, Tuesday night was the TFC Cruz Azul game, which I'm sure we'll get into. Uh, Got one soccer for that, and they probably crapped the bed, and instead the stream barely worked, so instead I had to resort to doing it illegally, which I didn't want to do. Uh, So thanks for that one soccer, but uh, apart from that, spilled iced tea on my laptop Wednesday night, which was not fun uh, the night before an exam, and then wrote an exam yesterday, so we'll, we'll see. Oh, actually, I know how that went. It went pretty well, but... Uh, tonight is an award show, which I have at 7.30 to 9 o'clock, where I have a couple of shows in the running for one of the awards, uh, which a couple of my group members put in for these those awards, so we won't win those, but who knows. Uh, other than that, we're still in lockdown. Ontario government said we'd get vaccinated, or all vaccine people 18 plus can vote. Vote. Um, can book a vaccine appointment starting May 24th, that long weekend. But because I have other health issues, I can hopefully get it before that. But who knows, because this government is useless. But on the other side of things, where people are actually able to do things and go to professional sporting events, even though we should, it's up in the air whether or not that should be happening. Josh, how was your week? It was... It was pretty good. It was very, very busy. Um, as as things begin to, to get a little more normal, as a lot more people start to get vaccinated, for example, almost everyone I know has either gotten their first dose of the vaccine or is just now getting their second. I just got my second yesterday, as I was telling you guys before we started recording. But I'm going to rehearsals more. You know, I've already been teaching a little bit, um, so that's still been happening, but... I was playing a lot of soccer this week. That was fun. And then, yeah, I got to go to both Atlanta United games that were home. Uh, 
it was fun for the most part. We'll talk about that CCL game. That was um, a roller coaster ride. It's probably <laughs> the probably the best way to put it. But yeah, it was just a, it was just a really busy week for me. But um, I'm excited for for this weekend. Lots lots more soccer to be watching and um, and yeah, I, it's just surreal to me to. As now that I'm thinking about it, that I even got to see a sporting event, and it dawned on me that that was the first time since the very, very beginning of March of last year when I went to the LA United FC Cincinnati game. So, pretty crazy stuff. But um, it was—I will admit—it was nice to be back there. Um, and personally, I—I I felt pretty safe. I'm vaccinated, so I'm not really that stressed out about it. But. I can understand why some other people might might be uncomfortable. Drew, how was your week? It was good. Um, got to watch a lot of soccer. Um, did not get to make it into back into the bins, but I'm sure that they will be coming soon as games happen. Um, yeah, I got to watch some soccer. Got to watch the draft yesterday, which that was cool. It's always fun seeing guys from college go to the NFL, seeing their reactions. So that's cool. Um, got some baseball on tap this weekend. The Braves, Hawks hanging in there. I think I'm, I, I say I think because I'm still not totally sure if I'm done with school for the semester or not. Um, we'll see. That's kind of confusing me and stressing me out, but working on wrapping things up for the semester. And yeah, getting done with school. It's been crazy. It's a wild semester, staying a little more hybrid than remote as the last semester. So we're a little more on campus than usual. Next semester, they're trying to get us all on campus, but We'll see what happens on that one. But yeah, I'm almost done with the semester, so it's getting to chill out here in Georgia. Before we di- before we dive into the proper football, I want to get your thoughts on American football. And what did you think of the Atlanta Hawks draft? The Hawks play basketball. Atlanta Connor. Hawks, Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking Hawks because I have Trey Young and he might be back this weekend, which I could desperately need because I'm 400 points behind <laughs> the guy I'm facing. Uh, but... I'm dead in the water. What did you think about the Atlanta Falcons draft? And do you think Aaron Rodgers will be a Green Bay Packer at the start of the 2021 season? I'll tackle this first. We'll talk about Aaron Rodgers, the former MVP, man. That is wild. I think Adam Schefter tweeted something out that the only two previous occasions when the reigning MVP did not return to his NFL team, the guys retired. So this would be wild if he doesn't go back to Green Bay. I don't think he will be. I'm set on him going to the Broncos, I think, because they had that chance to get Justin Fields and they passed. I forgot who they got in Denver with their pick. But I think he's going to go to Denver, which is fine by me. Just don't come to the NFC South for the love of everything good. Stay away from the Falcons as much as possible. But the Falcons draft pick, Kyle Pitts from Florida, he was good in Florida. He could be a bust. He could be phenomenal. I don't know. It's not like we're a tight end away from winning the Super Bowl or anything like that. There's a lot of problems that got to get fixed in Atlanta. And maybe maybe he's he'll help it out. We still have a middle school defense. We got Julio and Ridley and Matt Ryan, but I'm excited about it. He could be good. He could be terrible. Or maybe he's probably going to be somewhere in the middle, but we'll see where it goes. But I'm excited about it. I was interested because Fields was still on the board, but they decided to go Pitts. But I'm happy about it. I'm excited to see him play. Could be a bust. Are you kidding me? Kyle Pitts is going to... Assuming he stays healthy, 
He's going to dominate the NFL. Bro, that you know, Tack McKinley, Tack McKinley was a first-round pick. I don't even think okay. he plays in the NFL anymore. Hold on, hold on a second. Vic Beasley, buzz. Tack you, McKinley, buzz. You should know as a Georgia fan how good Kyle Pitts is. He helped he got hurt. destroy you guys. He got hurt that game. Yeah, but he still was playing well until he got hurt. He's right? phenomenal. He's super good. There's a reason they draft him at four. But we've seen so many first-round busts. I... He could be a Hall of Famer, though. He could be. <laughs> Highest ever tied in. You never know, man. I, I feel that. I mean, the Falcons' track record is horrible, but that's a different, you know, it's a different GM, it's a different coach, so hopefully these new guys, you know, well, we're going to find out pretty fast, I guess, if they, these new guys know what they're doing, but the Aaron Rodgers thing, man, he he's going to be gone. I mean, in this, in this day and age, I think what's really interesting is you've seen it with the NBA a lot, right? You see player movement start to happen more frequently and you see these like quote-unquote super teams that form um which personally i don't have a problem with but i think we're going to start seeing some more of that start to happen in the nfl maybe not in baseball because typically those like players sign really long-term contracts and you don't see tons of of movement but like last year the tampa bay buccaneers are a good example of it you get tom brady and then you assemble this like crack squad of free agents like antonio brown and Gronkowski and you know all these other guys so uh, Leonard Fournette so I'm pretty sure Rodgers will force his way out of out of Green Bay if he wants to be gone but uh, but I guess we'll see also I hated watching the draft miserable why why I mean I know the answer why it's because ESPN wanted time to talk about it but, but why are we taking eight minutes for the Jacksonville Jaguars to pick Trevor Lawrence as if they didn't have months and months and months the entire to prepare for this <laughs> I will let you in on a little secret, and it's called advertiser money. Exactly. Which is worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. So if it means waiting eight... (laughs) They do, uh, because they just spent like $400 million uh, per season on the NHL rights, which they just bought like literally this month. Uh, so that's back on ESPN for the first time since 2004, which I think before the full season lockout. Uh, but yes, that is the little secret into why that happened and why it took so long for everybody to make their picks. And also why the NFL is probably mad at green at the new England Patriots right now for making their picks so quickly which I heard they did because I didn't watch the draft because why would I watch that draft? Who is insane enough to watch that draft? Millions and millions of Americans, including (laughs) myself. Yeah. (laughs) You watched the full thing? Absolutely. Yeah. I want to see when, I want to see who the Falcons got it for. And I want to see when the Georgia player was going off. Doesn't mean you have to watch it. You just have to pay attention to social media. Just have your notifications for Adam Schefter on I did that, but some part of my job was like as soon as possible, get it out there. So as soon as that guy said Eric Stokes, I had to fill in the gaps and say Eric Stokes was drafted by Green Bay Packers 29th overall first round, blah, blah, blah. Nice. Well, you're a real journalist as opposed to whatever Josh and I are. Uh, (laughs) I was in the middle of a fever sleep, so that's why I didn't stay to watch the whole draft. Yeah, just casual flex of having the vaccine. Nice. There was nothing uh, was casual about me sweating my skin off. 
All right. Well, we'll quickly move on from that gross image and um, hope that uh, that Pitts guy ends up in the CXFL in the next two years because the CXFL are the future. Uh, But, you know, is what it is. Let's dive into the actual football, the real football, not the American stupid version. Are we going to talk about Major League Soccer as we talk about football? Yeah. It's a good point. It's re- yeah. <sighs> Talking about SCs. Why? Yeah. God, Toronto FC. It's so, the stupidest thing on the planet. But at least it's not the foot. Hey, we always have that. Wait, we have a Montreal team named after a foot. <laughs> Let's dive into North Americans abroad. I didn't watch any games because I was doing work for this exam. You two, talk about the North Americans abroad. Yeah, so I think um, one of the more interesting things that really isn't a player, but as a coach we've talked about a little on the podcast, Jesse Marsh was announced as the new manager of Red Bull Leipzig, takes over for Julian. Oh, man, I should have asked you guys for this. Nagelsmann? Nagelsmann. Nagelsmann. Man, it's the first line. I should have asked about it. Um, But Jesse Marsh is going to Red Bull Leipzig. Also, it's Leipzig, not whatever you said. Leipzig, Leipzig, potato, potato. Uh, yes, Jesse Marsh taking over as new manager. Um, so that's really exciting. He's killed it. Um, and yeah, he's going to the Bundesliga with the top-level club, so that's really awesome. Um, but going to the players, Orlando City and Barnsley agreed to the extension of the loan of Daryl DK to remain with Barnsley through the promotional playoffs. So obviously Daryl DK is killing it in England, and understandably so. Barnsley want to keep this guy as long as possible, so they are extending him to stay in Barnsley. And I think we can all agree Orlando City might not see this guy again, but that remains to be seen. But getting into a really big game that I did watch because huge deal in the soccer world, Champions League semifinals, UEFA Champions League semifinals, Chelsea, Real Madrid, Pulisic gets the start and scored the team's only goal in a 1-1 draw. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the goal. It was a pretty phenomenal pass from, I don't remember who assisted him. He just... Round of the keeper shot. I think it took a deflection off the Madrid player, went in the back of the net. Uh, I think he's the first American to ever score in the semifinals, I think. And he passes somebody for the most Champions League goals by an American. Um, but yeah, Pulisic got the only goal, 1-1 draw. Um, Jordan Sibicheu scored again. He has 14 goals in all competitions. Just, no, <laughs> Siebichu, oh, I was so close, guys. <laughs> I was so close. We referred to him as Sabachu, Siebichu, yes. We're going to call him Seabass from now on. Seabass. <laughs> uh, yes, he scored again. He has 14 goals in all of his competitions. Um, and going back to Daryl DK a little bit with the promotional playoffs, both Daryl DK and Cameron Carter-Vickers have clinched a playoff spot for the promotion with Barnsley and Bournemouth uh, clinching spots in the playoff. We don't know seeding yet, so they might play each other in the semifinals. They might not play each other at all. Maybe they meet up in the final. So a lot of action going on in the championship in England and Champions League, um, in Germany, all over the place. So, Josh, out of this North Americans abroad, what's the biggest thing that sticks out to you? I can't believe it's not really being talked about more, um, especially in, like, American, like, soccer Twitter. Um but Jesse Marsh going to Leipzig, man. I mean, this is a huge deal. Leipzig are no scrubs. They are they're second right now in the Bundesliga, right? Behind, obviously, Bayern Munich. Yep. And the club itself has the ambition to win the Bundesliga. 
Will it ever happen? Probably not, because Bayern Munich winning Bundesliga is just inevitable at this point. And also, anytime any club gets close to winning Bundesliga and topping Bayern Munich, they somehow shoot themselves in both of their feet. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, this is just a huge deal, and, and I don't know if people are making a big enough deal about it. It's really cool to see him taking this step. It always felt kind of inevitable, and once you know it was announced that Nagelsmann was going to Bayern Munich... Most people just assume that Jesse Marsh was going to take the, the Leipzig, the, the Leipzig job, and I think that speaks to both his track record in the Red Bull organization between Red Bulls and Salzburg, but I also think it speaks to his track record with Salzburg and in the Champions League stage and the international stage. Um, we've all seen the video of him giving the halftime speech to his players and the great performances they put in against Liverpool um, a couple UCL tournaments ago. So I'm, I'm extremely excited to see what he can do. And it's just, it's just weird. I feel like not enough people are talking about this. This is kind of a big deal. So that's probably the biggest thing for me from, from what happened this week. I mean, there's, there's also some other big things, but I'll let you guys take this. I think there's a reason, though, for why... The Marsh stuff isn't getting talked about, and that's because Nagelsmann was sold for four, like what, twenty million to Bayern. So, like, when was the last time you saw a manager get sold? Uh, and I think that sort of buried the news of Marsh getting it. It was also sort of a foregone conclusion. Although then there was some other guy thrown into the mix as being a potential option, but I think that's sort of why it got buried a little bit and people haven't really talked about it but once he starts performing uh when he goes and actually joins Leipzig I think people will talk about it a bit more it's just it's so early it was kind of buried there was a lot of American soccer news this week like big big stories so it sort of makes sense that it was buried but uh I will mention one thing that I don't think we mentioned and that is Jonathan David played on the weekend uh, I believe he scored as well. So big for him to come back from that injury and get a goal in one of his first appearances. But I will, for my point, for the one that I think is most notable, is the Orlando City Barnsley agreement. Uh, means that Orlando don't have him coming back uh, until after the playoffs, which I'm sure they're not overly thrilled with, but I assume they're getting compensated fairly well financially. Uh, but. I think it's great that we're going to get to see uh, Daryl DK play in a huge match and in a match that's pivotal to the future of a club that, albeit he will, probably won't be a part of uh, for the long term, but to see what he does against top competition and top potential, well, top probably Premier League competition uh, come next season. So I think that's pretty huge, and I think people have talked about it but again i think it's sort of been buried by a lot of this other news uh around the north american abroad sphere but drew what was your notable north american abroad yeah i'm gonna go with the big name christian pulisic getting the start and goal against real madrid um it was an away goal i don't think i mentioned that it was at madrid so it was really big and yeah i mean the looks they look pretty set to go to the ucl final play either Man City or PSG. Man City won the first leg, I think. I remember if it was in Paris or Manchester. But, yeah, he set up well. I think it was in Manchester. 
It might have been Paris. I can't remember. They won 2-1. I know that. It was yeah. in Paris. Paris. Oh, dang. So it's a looks big like he, result. Then. Looks like he might be playing City if they don't choke. Uh, but yeah, that was a big deal. Come on the biggest stage and scoring and getting a really big away goal for his team. And yeah, I mean, we could possibly... Well, we could possibly see uh, Canadian and Alfonso Davies win it last year. And then... An American and Christian Pulisic won it this year, so that would be awesome. So that's my biggest moment. Uh, all eyes were on that match and the other semifinal match, and for an American to come up and pull through and get the goal, a really big away goal, I thought was huge. But moving to MLS, even though the season has started, we still had some awesome transfers and signings. Connor is having an, a wonderful heart attack, so I'm going to let him introduce the newest member of Toronto FC, the young designated player. Connor, who is he? I assume you're excited about him. I'm not a TFC fan, and I'm pretty excited about him, but what did what did Toronto FC do over the weekend, or last week, over the week? <laughs> well, their third designated player, because he doesn't qualify as a young DP, unfortunately, which means that they will only have one young DP available to them, or young money signing available to them, is from Brazil, uh, Santos FC, a Venezuelan left winger, Jefferson Soteldo, who is five foot two, 121 pounds, uh, so very reminiscent of a certain former uh, member of Toronto FC, who's now playing in Saudi Arabia, uh, but... Yeah, Jefferson Soteldo, quick, dynamic, uh, he's got a pretty good shot on him too, loves to cut inside, he can dance, like the guy's on the ball, is unreal, uh, he's going to tear up MLS, I'm really excited to see what he can do with guys like Iowa Canola and Alejandro Pozuelo, uh, I believe he can also play on the right and central uh, as an attacking midfielder, so very versatile as well. I'm very excited for him. He could potentially make his debut Tuesday against Cruz Azul. I think he will, considering he's in midseason form as long as they get the paperwork done uh, involving him being allowed to play. But, well, and that he doesn't get eaten by an alligator, but we can talk <laughs> about that in a second. Um, Why would he get eaten by his teammate? That's a good point. Yeah. That was the signing I was talking about, Connor. Who's this Jefferson guy? Come on. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. Alligator. Yeah, I forgot about him. <laughs> It's a game uh, signing, know. by the way. Yeah, game signing because they got so much gam from FC Dallas and Orlando City for international roster spots. I'm talking they, about the uh, Gator allocation money. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, okay. <laughs> As if we needed another form see, of transfer <laughs> currency. Did, did you guys see the Waking the Red uh, preview, uh, like lineup preview? Did they put the alligator in there? They had the alligator starting up top, and everybody else was like right around the 18 yard box while alligator was at the other. It was funny. Uh, <laughs> shout out Waking the Red. Those guys are killing it right now, even though they're competition. But yeah, big signing for Toronto FC. Josh, I feel like you know a bit more about him. You were very excited in the Slack chat when you heard he was coming, and both also jealous. So uh, let me hear it about Jefferson Soteldo. The biggest thing for him, from my perspective, is he has been linked to Atlanta United on and off for a couple times over the last couple of years. And he's represented by the same agent as Joseph Martinez. They obviously know each other from playing for the Venezuelan national team together. So that's how I know who he is. I personally haven't really seen him play or anything. I just know that this is a, this is a guy that whenever those 
like links popped up about Atlanta United, like people got really excited. They were like, please, you know, bring him to Atlanta. Let this let this work out. Obviously, it never did, and you know that's fine. But to still see him coming to MLS is really cool. I think I think he has the potential to be really great for Toronto. Uh, like you said, you know, already a lot of Toronto fans are starting to kind of draw comparisons between him and Jovinko, which is you know. Jovinko's like club legend. He's probably the best player that's ever played for Toronto. Um, so that's that's really cool. Now, personally, I'm not that excited just yet because, like, I, I want to be so excited for Toronto, but no one's healthy. Nobody is healthy, and they're never healthy. They're getting there. They're getting there. Are they? They got a Sorio back. Mazvinga was. Uh, not on the bench, but he was listed on the roster as potentially being available against Cruz Azul. They don't play this weekend, so they have this weekend oh, to get healthy as well. Okay, that's important. Yeah. So they're getting there. They are getting there. When Toronto is finally somewhat full strength, <laughs> like I'm talking like 90%, like for example. They'll never be there. <laughs> are you new to Toronto FC? Are you new to Toronto okay, okay. FC? Okay, here's, here's what I want. I want like, I want Akinola. Pozuelo and Sotelo together because Josie Altador will never be healthy. So if if when those he's three also guys, crap, but we'll get into yeah that. yeah yeah. When those three guys are finally together, I'll be really excited for Toronto and I'll be like I'll be really looking forward to watching them play. So I, you know I'm excited for down the road. I guess is a good way to put it. And hopefully that he can play for them on Tuesday night against Cruz Azul because they're gonna need it. But speaking of depth and yes, injuries all five and all that, for two of him will really help with their set piece defending, which is their biggest <laughs> issue. I mean, hey, you gotta score some goals. So at least they, maybe they can make. They it fun. did. Yeah, they w- scored one. <laughs> one. By the way, no, we'll talk about it later when we when we recap that game. Yes, we'll rant about that. <laughs> um, so speaking of depth and all these injuries, Joshua Cloak is reporting that Liam Frazier, twenty three year old mid- midfielder for Toronto, is expected to go out on loan. Connor, you know most about uh, Frazier, especially compared to Drew and I. I I know of Frazier, but he's not necessarily a household MLS name. What are your thoughts on him possibly uh, possibly being loaned out? Also, it seems like Columbus is where he's going to. So I wanted to get your take on that. And then Drew, I want to get your take on Columbus snatching up another another player like this. But go ahead, Connor. So here's the way to look at Liam Fraser. He was very, very, very promising as an academy player. Uh, He's been pegged as the Michael Bradley replacement for years. Like, it's always been expected, okay, this guy's going to be Michael Bradley, the next Michael Bradley for Toronto FC. He's young, he's similar built, although he does, not really anymore, but he did have hair. Uh, He's buzzed it all off now. Uh, Check out, actually, I think it, it was his story, but so it won't be up. But Richie Lurie is doing his haircuts for him, apparently. Uh, so shout out Richie for helping out <laughs> Liam. Uh, but defensive midfielder, he just hasn't been able to break into Toronto FC's squad, really. And when he has, he hasn't been great. Uh, he was never a Greg Vanny favorite. Uh, he would just seem to never get any minutes when Bradley was out. He was... Everyone thought, okay, well, I guess this is our time to see Liam Fraser get a ton of minutes. And he just never did. And I think this is an opportunity for Fraser to go to Columbus, where they're lacking defensive midfielder depth after Aiden Morris's injury, 
and get some more reps than he would have on Toronto FC, where he's buried behind Bradley, Osorio, Delgado, Preso, and Okello. So he's currently number six on the depth chart. And you might even include... Um, you could probably include Pazuolo in that, even though he's more of a defensive player, uh, Fraser, but you could also maybe even include Nick DeLeon. So there wasn't really a clear picture for him to get into Toronto FC's squad. And that was a problem because he's 23 and he has yet to really do much in MLS and he has yet to really get very much playing time. So sending him to a team like Columbus where the central midfield depth isn't where it is in Toronto will hopefully allow them to get more minutes and more reps so we can actually see who Liam Fraser is and what his actual quality level is because we we just haven't been able to see that yet. And that's what I think the Spain move is. I don't know if it's a great move for TFC. I don't know if it's a great move for Liam Fraser. It really depends on how much he gets used in Columbus. There's not really a downside barring the entire midfield getting injured for Toronto FC, but if we're getting to Liam Fraser being a main option, we're in a whole world of hurt uh, in terms of TFC's starting squad. But yeah, that's sort of the quick breakdown of Fraser and why he's sort of going out on loan, who he is, all that sort of stuff. Drew, obviously you're not as familiar with him, but what do you think about another interleague loan happening with Liam Fraser? Yeah, I think the last time, wow, I feel like both interleague loans we've talked about have involved the Columbus crew. Interesting. That's cool. Um, so yeah, so that's awesome. I think we all agree when we, that last interleague loan, we thought it was awesome. I want to see more of it. So that's good. Excited about that. I think you bring up a good point with just trying to get Liam Frazier minutes in the league. And you listed off a ton of TFC players, which just shows that he had a pretty big mountain to climb if he wanted to get on the field. In Columbus, I mean, from a want-to-go-back-to-back-win-MLS-Cup point of view, maybe go for a Shield or something like that, go for a U.S. Open Cup if they qualify. This provides solid depth. I know that's Connor's word on this podcast, but it provides solid depth for Columbus. But it's still not like he... I mean, he has guys in front of him, right? I mean, he has Nagby, Aiden Morris is still in front of him. So but he's I've, out for the year with the torn ACL. Oh, shoot, man. Oh, gosh, I totally missed that news. Crap, I remember we talked about him getting hurt, so that's what it was. Shoot. Um, okay, so that, yeah, I think, obviously, he still has players in front of him, but he has a really good player to learn from in Darnton Nagby and a really good culture and a winning team to be around. Uh, Caleb Porter's a genius. I think he's one of the best managers in the league winning in Portland and looking like he might win again this year with Columbus. So I think he's in a solid culture and a team. Um, yeah, I'm excited about it. I think just getting minutes in this league is super important, whether it's in the MLS, whether it's in U.S. Open Cup. I doubt he'll see the field in CONCACAF Champions League if they advance, which we'll talk more about that in their CCL run in a minute. But I'm excited about it, given that the depth chart is not as crowded in Columbus as it was in Toronto. So I think it's a good move for him. I think it's a good move for Columbus and TFC. I think they just got a player out that needed minutes and definitely was not going to get in Toronto. And like you said, if he was playing in Toronto, I think that would have a lot of problems in TFC's world if you were resulting to Liam Frazier coming off. 
but I'm excited about it. Um, yeah, we'll see how it goes. And yeah, so Toronto FC had a pretty busy couple a week getting some transfers and some loans out. I'm curious, if you loan a player out, does that move them off of your roster? You're talking like for financial purposes, like salary cap? No, about like a for like, spot? yeah, roster spot wise. You know, I don't really have an answer to be honest with you, but that's a good question because I was wondering that the other day, like, because for example, Lane United have loaned out three players. They've loaned out Escobar, Meza, and um, Gutman. Thank you, and Gutman. So, Who's like, I don't, I don't know if if they they occupy those slots. I guess they don't, but I'm not totally sure about that. It would make sense if they don't, because I believe they're at potentially like full roster currently. I'm not even sure if that includes Jefferson Soteldo, but if it doesn't, it also opens up the possibility and the ability for Toronto FC to bring in a new central defender, which they have been linked to a guy in Brazil for $7 million, which is physically impossible because they don't have another DP slot, and the guy they're being linked to is like 30 years old. What? So, yes. Uh, There was one rumor from one random Twitter account uh, that sort of got a couple of people to pay attention. It's completely unrealistic. No, no, no. Those are always accurate. Yeah, completely accurate. Random Twitter accounts? UFC stand (laughs) 457321. Yes, exactly. Uh, But there were... There are rumors, and Ali Curtis has said they want to bring in another defender. Why? And why? That's a very good question, <laughs> honestly. Um, it's almost like Eric Zavaleta isn't good. And I don't see Omar any Gonzalez issues with Toronto's defense. Isn't good. Well, yes, clearly you don't, because you will massively capitalize on the current one. Uh, but... Yeah, so maybe this is opening the door to another move, which a lot of insiders and people connected to TFC have said they're kind of expecting Toronto to bring in another defender. So we will see uh, what happens, but we will first, unless either of you have anything else you want to say about Toronto FC, uh, as you shake nod, nope. or shake your nope. heads I'm in saying no before you say audio-based podcast. Yep, saying no. I'm saying no. Yep. Uh, So we will take a quick ad break, but we will be right back. And we're back uh, after talking about some North Americans abroad and some transfers and signings around MLS to talking about some actual MLS games. Week two had a lot of action going on, had a lot of really fun games, had some not so fun games. But first game we're going to talk about was really fun, unless you're an FC Cincinnati fan. I feel like we've said that a lot on the podcast because a lot of this time has not been fun for FC Cincinnati fans. Uh, NYCFC beating Cincinnati 5-0. All five of the goals were off set pieces, so it was not a good time for Cincinnati. Some of them were a lot worse than others. I don't know if you guys caught the game, but Cincinnati has been just not good. One of the worst, I think the worst team in the league last year, the first season, again, one of, if not the worst teams in the league. There's a lot of excitement around this team, I think, with Acosta, who did not appear in this game. I think he hurt his hip. He did, I think that was his left hip or something like that. He wasn't there in an NYCFC's game. Brenner was. Didn't really mean a whole lot because didn't get on the score sheet and lost 5-0. But Josh, what are your thoughts on this game and... 
I think one question that I didn't even consider, Yapstam, is he on the hot seat at all? Because he's still relatively new, still don't know what he looks like, because I still don't know what social media graphic to believe. That's a joke I won't let die ever. But is he on the hot seat? Is it correct for him to be on the hot seat? And what did you think about this game entirely? So a couple thoughts on this game. First and foremost, I can't believe I still have to watch soccer being played on a baseball field. Um, and it's not Was this the their actual... first home game? Was this NYCFC's first home game? Uh, yes, yes. And it was okay. the first back at Yankee Stadium since 2019. Um, and they might have played once in 2020, but whatever. So I, I turned this game on, and immediately like I wanted to just like rip my eyes out because the sight line that they have at this baseball stadium is just so terrible. So terrible. Um, also funny, Yapsan was complaining about the game, the, the field at halftime, which... I thought it was hilarious because it had nothing to do with his team conceding five goals off set pieces, but whatever. That's <laughs> if he wants to complain about that, more power to him. Um, Actually, I no, I disagree with that. I think that does have something to play with it. With the, because, with the set pieces, yeah, because they're on a smaller field, right? They have okay, to play yes, on a smaller field. Depends on who you ask. So therefore, you're automatically closer to the goal, no matter what, depending on the set pieces. Yes, that is okay. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. I'll give you that. Um, I, I, Yapstam Stom criticism is very warranted because his team sucks, but he's sort of right on that front. I will give him that. Oh yeah, yeah. I think we can all agree that Yapstam's team sucks, and also NYCFC's stadium situation sucks. So those those yes. are definitely definitely agree on all those. But so I, I put this question about Yapstam: is is it time for him to go, or is he on the hot seat? Not because I personally think that, but because I I've been like. During that game, like I saw a lot of people start to ask that question, which I found really interesting because, like Drew said, he hasn't really been around that long. I mean, they hired him like just in time for MLS's back, right? They they hired him in the middle when um when the league was on pause, so he hasn't even gotten a full season in. Now here's where I'm at, and I've expressed this on the podcast before, and I've expressed this to you guys, but I'm not a fan of Dutch managers. I don't think they know what they're doing, and I can point to plenty of examples, whether it's Frank de Boer or Ronald Koeman, or Yapstam. So I just feel like the Dutch way of doing things doesn't work with modern soccer. They have a great history, and obviously there's tons of pedigree and history with the Dutch national team and Dutch players and Dutch managers. But I just don't think it works in modern soccer. However, as much as I don't like that style of, of managing or playing, I still think it's a little early like you just got Acosta, you just got Brenner, um, you just got Ronald Matarita and a couple other players added to the Cincy team. So I think the calls for him to go or the questions being posed about him needing to be fired are a little premature. But five goals off of set pieces, man, that is yikes. I mean, one of my one of the funniest things I saw is pretty much everyone who mentioned that was like, I think that's a record, but no one actually bothered to look up whether or not it was a record uh, to give up five set piece goals in a game. So I thought that was funny, but I want to I want to know what you guys think about that. Do you guys think Yap Sam is already on the hot seat, or do you think maybe it is already time for him to go? Yes, uh, to all of those questions. All right, because how are you losing? To NYCFC, 5 nothing. Like, come on. 
five nothing. That's embarrassing. And this is this isn't like it's a new issue. They had the same problems last year. They couldn't defend, and he had an entire transfer window to try to improve it. And they brought in what a grand total of zero defenders. They sold a defender. Like, come on. How are you going to sell a defender when your biggest weak and weak biggest weak spot is your backline? How are you going to do that? Honestly, it's either unbelievably poor management up top, uh, which above Yapstam, or Stem is just really, really bad. And I know I've been through the constant carousel of managers with Toronto FC, but like five nothing to NYCFC, who, in my opinion, are a bubble playoff team. That's not okay. That's not good enough. Period. I don't care if it's at Yankee Stadium. I don't care if it's off all set pieces. That's a problem, especially when set pieces are one of the biggest things you can control when you are a manager. That's one of your biggest tactical areas that you can use. And they frankly just got destroyed by Ronnie Dyla. So, I like if he isn't on the hot seat, there's a problem, in my opinion. He needs to be on the hot seat because it's clearly not working up to this point. And unless something changes quickly, he shouldn't be FC Cincinnati's manager. They should bring in somebody who understands the real issues that lie with this squad. And while goal scoring last season was an issue, their biggest problem is trying to not have goals scored on them, which they haven't really addressed. But Drew... Do you agree? Do you disagree? Where do you stand on Yapstam as manager of FC, FC Cincinnati? I think I'm not as quick on he should be on the hot seat as you are. I think at the very least finish out this season um, because he came in a weird time. And I mean, yeah, like you said, they made some signings, attacking-minded signings, which does fix part of the problem but does not fix the main problem. Um, I'm not freaking out too much about this loss because I feel like every team has a one loss that you just want to erase, forget, put in the back of your mind and just throw it away. But the problem is that Cincinnati seems to have a lot of those, and at some point you can't just forget about one weird one-off game where you lose 5 nothing, 4 nothing because it happens all the time, and it's carried over from previous seasons to now, uh, starting off 2021, which I think people are excited about Cincinnati. I know I'm excited about it. You have to watch them. You have to see if they're going to be better than they were last year. And what they went to Nashville, got a draw that probably should have been a loss, and then they go to NYCFC and get absolutely smacked. So out of their two games, they have a point. Probably should have zero points, which Nashville is just a weird situation. They've somehow only have two points they should probably have six but that's a weird team in a weird situation right now but yeah I'm not as quick as put him on the hot seat yet again if this continues to happen if it's always set pieces like if this is just one random game in the season throw it in the trash can forget about it see what they do but if you're consistently letting in goals from set pieces then I think it becomes an issue like because like you said Connor I mean I feel like a lot of soccer managing is kind of up to the players you can fix formations you can fix you know the mindset but you can really handle set pieces whether it's zonal marking man marking 
I don't know enough about soccer defense to know what the advantages and disadvantages are. I just know people who are much smarter than me like to talk about them. And it goes way over my head, but it sounds really cool. Um, but yeah, he can control that, and it didn't work for him against NYCFC. He had uh, a Schross, a, a Grohl, as we referred to it last <laughs> week, get in. And I think um, it was Moderita's comeback to NYCFC. It was his homecoming, and not a really good way to go for him. But I'm not so much on the hot seat. Again, if this continues to happen, um, then I think I'm on it. But Can you guys tell me? I'm just curious. Tell me the entire back line for FC Cincinnati. Uh, Ronald Matarita plays left back. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, and they got that. Wait, hold on. There's a there's a Dutch guy who plays center back. I can't remember his name. Frank De Boer. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> Told me go back that to was, center back days. Go for it. <laughs> that would be something though if it was Frank De Boer. Um, is it Pedersen? It's Pedersen. Well, I mean, I'm pretty I, sure. I, the fact that I have to Google this, that is the problem. We, as people who follow MLS very closely... Oh, I'll say should, Nick Haglund. He's probably one of them. Oh, yes, I boom. I just named three of the four. The other one is Joe Jiao. He's the, other, he's the fourth one. So I did get him right. It's Macharita on the left, then Pedersen, Haglund, and Jiao. Joe Jiao. So. That's the problem. It took us, what, a minute and a half, two minutes as diehard MLS fans to name the back line for FC Cincinnati. And even then, we could, I've never even heard of that Joja guy. Dojo. Yeah, he's, he's a exactly. U.S. international. He's, I mean, I don't know. I, there, are, there are a lot of issues with, with Cincinnati. Drew, I thought you bring up a good point uh, about the managerial situation. There are actually studies that have been done that basically prove that managers have little effect over their their squads um, in terms of results, and it's actually payroll that has the biggest effect. Shocker. So, however, with a team like Cincinnati, for example, you just spent, you know, $15 million on an unproven forward in Brenner. He's technically unproven, even though he did well in, in Brazil. That's that's a bit of a risk, but let's move on because I hate talking this much about Cincinnati because they make me sad. We won't uh, talk about it ever again. It, this is all the time they get. Enjoy it, Cincinnati <laughs> no, fans. We need to when talk the new more stadium opens up. Mm. But we need to talk more about Cincinnati because they are a tire fire. <laughs> like, we need Dang, to... Dang, Skyline Chili, though, man. And Joe Burrow. <laughs> great, great. I don't care. Their soccer team sucks. They have Joe Burrow... You know what? Focus on that football because your soccer team and the other football is clearly worse than that, which is very difficult given the Cincinnati Bengals last few years. But yes, let's move on to San Jose versus FC Dallas, where both of you will talk about this game because I didn't watch it. Okay, so the biggest thing to take away from this, right? Cade Cowell, great performance, 17-year-old American um, attacker. He had a goal and a, a gorgeous assist that a lot of people were rightfully freaking out about. I wanted to pose these questions to you guys. Uh, this is more of that overreaction stuff that we, we love to talk about. But one, were people wrong to be freaking out about San Jose after the first week? Bad performance because they pretty much crushed Dallas in this one. And then should Dallas be worried because they drew their first game against Colorado nil-nil and then here they are getting smacked around by San Jose. So... I want to get. I want to know what your guys' thoughts on those. Is it 
should, should people have been freaking out about San Jose and should Dallas be worried? Yeah, I think San Jose, this is just what they do, right? It's just this weird roller coaster of emotions with San Jose. I mean, last year they would lose three games by four goals and they would go on and smack somebody for nothing. So this is, I just feel like this is leading us into the normal San Jose earthquakes. They'll get us really excited for a game in a couple of weeks. They'll probably play Seattle and lose seven to nothing or something crazy like that. So San Jose, I think having a consistent feeling about San Jose is just not smart because as soon as they win a game, they're bound to lose by four. And maybe that will happen soon. Maybe it won't happen. Again, this is the second week, so we're still waiting for that first shellacking that San Jose is going to take. Um, so I think it was wrong to be freaking out about San Jose. I think it's wrong to be very excited about San Jose. Solid win. I think it's really appropriate to be excited about Cade Cowell. Phenomenal. Uh, the hype around him is justified, I think, from this week. Should Dallas be worried? I think... No, I don't think so, because I think when... You talk about San Jose having these really random performances. There's always another team on the other side of that. And Colorado's nothing... Well, Colorado just lost to Austin FC, so we'll talk more about that. So I think maybe Colorado's confusing. Because I, w- I think, Josh, me and you were both pretty high on them. I think we both had them making the playoffs. There was some hype around Colorado. And getting a draw on them, not the best start. I don't, I'm not pushing the worried button yet. I think just because San Jose is so confusing and no one knows what the heck is going to happen with this team. Again, we'll see what happens. Colorado. Um, why are we talking about Colorado? Dallas. We'll see what happens with them. They got Portland next tomorrow night as we're recording this. On Friday, they have Portland tomorrow, then Houston. After after the Houston game, I'll, I'll if they lose, if they lose to Houston, I'll push the panic button on Dallas, but I'm not there quite yet. I think Dallas should be worried. I... They've really steered hard into the homegrown identity, which is awesome. And it's worked for them the last couple years, right? But they're not not producing so far this season. And Luchi Gonzalez has them playing three in the back now, which he did not have them doing the first two years that he was coaching. And just from the get-go, as soon as they announced that um, with their first game of the season, I thought that was strange. I thought it was a weird thing to be mixing up. You know, obviously, Gonzalez is going to do what he thinks is best for his team with the personnel that he has. I will say this. Dallas, like Drew said, Dallas plays Portland this weekend. If Dallas wins, which I think could very well happen, I wouldn't put any stock in that because Portland's in between CCL legs. And we saw what happened to CCL teams after their first round and how tired they were, how hard it was for them to score, all that stuff. I do like what Drew said. If they struggle against Houston then I think it might be time to, to start worrying about Dallas. They need they need their homegrowns to step up. And it's it's worked the last two years. It's been their it's usually their DPs. It's usually their TAM signings that fall through. But so far no one's doing anything for Dallas. So personally, I think Dallas should be a little worried based on their, their first two games of the season. I'm not worried about Dallas at all. I don't think they're a beginning of the season team this year. I think they make the late push because I think they have so much young depth that come the end of the season, those young players will still be relatively fresh and will have more of an impact on those games. So while, yes, they're losing to not great teams this season uh, in 
San Jose and they drew against Colorado. I don't think you can really criticize Dallas after two matches, even though I just did that with Yapstam. Um, I think FC Dallas is going to be a second half of the season team. And I think that's what we have to keep in mind because they are the most talented team in MLS. That's abundantly clear. What they have is they have this young youth homegrown set in their system players who will be more energized and have, I guess they'll be able to stay fit for longer than other teams like Toronto FC or Atlanta United or whatever other team you want to name. So while yes, they're struggling at the beginning of the year, I don't think they're going to be struggling at the end of it. And I think they'll still be fairly, fairly, I guess, involved in the playoff picture with Colorado, uh, not Colorado with San Jose. Uh, again, this is who they are. They are the up and down every single week. You never know what you're going to get team. The problem with them is the second one of their players go down, they are screwed. And Cade Cowell is not going to continue scoring at a goal and assist per game rate for the entire season. So who's going to make up for whatever production he is not able to bring every match? So, yes, he'll have some great games like he did this week, but he won't have phenomenal games where he's a constant impact. So, again, San Jose, you never know what they're going to do. They're all over the place. We learned that last season when they lose to uh, Seattle by five and then somehow managed to beat LAFC by three or something like that. So I think you need to give both these teams a little bit of time to figure out who they are and come into the form that I think will be most beneficial to them down the stretch. Yeah, I think you're right on that. Um, We'll see what happens with Dallas. Again, they have Portland... Saturday, as we're recording this on Friday, and then Houston, and I think they play RSL pretty soon. So according to people's preseason rankings, Dallas looks like they have two relatively easy opponents to get points on, but RSL might not be as bad as people think as they went on the road and beat Minnesota United 2-1. to one. I didn't watch this game at all. I saw this game all over Twitter <laughs> for one moment after the game. David Ochoa, keeper for RSL, kicks the ball into the stands after winning 2-1 to one that activated a little reaction on the field. Players got in each other's faces, a little scruffle, I think as people like to call it in the sports world. Scruffle? Um, <laughs> scruffle. Scuffle? Scuffle. Yes. Scuffle. I've heard no, scruffle before. Scruffle I've never heard sure that word thing. before in my entire life. I do That's think it. you just made up a word, Drew. Oh, yes. Even better. There was a scruffle <laughs> on the field. Uh, Ochoa got fined by MLS. So did Hassani Dotson and Chase Gasper. And even some managerial interesting moments. Adrian Heath just straight up said Ochoa isn't that good. Um, and I think it was a post-game TV interview. So a lot going on. After the game, again, RSL won 2-1. to one. That's probably what's most important if we're a real soccer podcast, but we're not a real soccer podcast. So we're going to talk about the awesome scruffle that happened after the game. I want your guys' <laughs> that reaction. That is the title uh, of this podcast, Scruffle. scruffle. <laughs> the post-Minnesota Scruffle. I 
I have takes on it. I want to hear your guys' takes on it. Have you guys? Do you guys see the video? Have you guys seen the comment? The millions of commentators having their takes on it. So Connor, what did you think about it? Was he right to kick it in the stands? Was Adrian Heath wrong for saying that he wasn't that good, given that he just lost to him? Um, how do I put this? Let's go with, I love it, first of all, because we need more emotion, we need more animosity in this league, and it makes it even more fun when these, whenever Minnesota versus RSL, two random, completely out of nowhere, not very good teams face each other, everybody's going to be glued to their TVs for this game because what's going to happen? Uh, Ochoa, look, you are making a statement post-game, kicking the ball at the fans, but if you're willing to take the heat in the next match, go right ahead. Uh, Adrian Heath continues to make really weird claims and sort of dumb claims in the media over and over and over again, which I love. I think it's great. Uh, he's becoming a bit of a meme now, I guess, in MLS <laughs> for some of his opinions. But yeah, that, that was a weird one for me, Darren Heath. I don't know why he would criticize a keeper for being not that good immediately after you lose to his team 2-1. So yeah, uh, look, I love the animosity. It's the same thing I, I would say with the Fernando Tatis Jr. thing. Uh, I love that animosity. I love the emotion that it creates, and I think it's only going to be beneficial for MLS. But, Josh, what did you think about this whole beef? I think that I don't like the kicking the ball into the stands. Like, I, you know, we remember what Kaku did a couple years ago when he just, like, totally took out a Sporting Kansas City fan from point-blank point blank range. Wah. So I don't like the kicking the ball into stands, like, in the, in the sense that it could harm a fan. However, did you I love, see his kick? Yes, I know it went high up in the air, but I don't. It's just a safety thing, all right. It's just a safety thing. If we're being like the possibility of harming fans, not a fan of. However, it didn't end up hurting anyone, so it's fine. But I I'm with you, Connor. I love the the passion from Ochoa, the willingness to get under the skin of the Minnesota United players. It clearly worked. If you've got their manager talking about you, um, you know, here's this little 20 year old punk whose team just beat you, and you're a manager of a team that has played two games and has zero points. Um, so that's kind of embarrassing. Not a good look for Adrian Heath. But yeah, I mean, I love this. I love the, the, the flair, the characters. Like Connor said, we need more of this. You know, we get, we get some of it with Joseph Martinez, and we had some of it with Zlatan. Um, we've, we've seen some emotion from Chicharito so far this season. So I'm, I'm all for it, man. I'm, I'm loving the... the the passion and the, the willingness to uh, to antagonize people and to get it under people's skin. So, like you said, I mean, I'm I'm gonna be looking forward to every single Minnesota RSL game from now, and I don't think I could say that like ever before Saturday night. So, I am looking forward to that. Drew, you said you had some thoughts on this. Let's hear them. Yeah, I think you bring up an interesting point with the safety thing. I think that's the route a league could take. The league could say, oh, like if it hits some kid in the back of the head, like might knock him down and hurt him. So we're going to find you. Don't do it again. I get where the league is coming from as fans. Eh, you know what I'm saying? I think, Connor, you bring up an interesting point with the whole 
baseball bat flipping fiasco because baseball is just such an old man's sport and those guys are trying to change it and I love it. I never thought I'd watch the San Diego Padres. I have to watch San Diego Padres now, just like I have to watch RSL Minnesota United now, which is weird. I May 29th, by the way, their next game. Wow, that's pretty soon. Less than a month away, yeah. May 29th. So, interesting. I'm with you guys on it. I think he was just an emotional guy. He got a win because no one, like we talked about a little, RSL didn't play last week. So he was pinned up after watching week of action, hearing everyone pick RSL to finish dead last or next to last in the Western Conference. They go on the road, get a win against a team that was in the Western Conference final. And he was passionate about it. I'm not upset about that. I think Adrian Heath saying he's not that good. That was just the manager being mad and emotional. Whatever it happens, people say dumb things in press conferences. What I am upset about is after he did it, he just walked away from all those players. Because when you, and we'll talk about Atlanta Philly, that scuffle or scruffle, you saw and you see it in baseball too. When stuff happens, you see guys like having to hold players back. Right, you didn't see that with this. He just walked away. Like, if you're gonna do that, you gotta like take some of it, especially when Hassani Dotson, which I think was his teammate in the U23s. When your teammate walks up to you, he just walks away. I was full on, that was awesome. Then that happened. I said, I don't know about that. So, if you're gonna kick the ball in the stands, you gotta be like ready for the repercussions from it. And I think he's gonna see some of it if he, if he, when he goes back to Minnesota, those fans are gonna be wild depending on how you know attendance percentages work but if you're gonna do that man like i want to see a coach holding you back like i want to see you i disagree throw why dude like you just kick it and walk away like that's such a oh crap i screwed up i need to run away now i think that gets under their skin even more because they can't get at you but that just looks like he's such a baby like if you're gonna do it like be ready to throw hands man well, I'm sure if somebody had run up to him, he would have. But would he though? Like he had his like you there. know I've, I that know picture with Yasiel that. Puig trying to fight the entire Pittsburgh Pirates organization. <laughs> That's what I want to see in MLS. I want to see Minnesota. I want Adrian Heath having to be like held back and Ochoa having to be held back. Especially when your teammate that you just played with and Dotson comes up to you, like you at least gotta acknowledge him. Yeah, you probably should have acknowledged him, but also we don't know why he did it. Like somebody might have said something in the stands, right? Like, we don't know the full context of it. I don't think that ever came out why he did it. Probably just to antagonize him, but still. I'm okay with him walking away because that would piss me off even more and get under my skin even more if he just didn't acknowledge it. Just like, eh, yeah, you deserve it. And then just walk away. Like, I'd be furious if somebody did that yeah i think you made a good point from a fan okay so i guess from a player perspective it pissed me off but from a fan it pisses me off because i'm like dude like you know if you're gonna do that like you can't 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 take the heat get out of the kitchen type stuff like you did it pay the price be ready to go but from i see what you're saying from a player's perspective like if someone tried if like yasio puig just tried to start a brawl pimped a bat and just walked away I see what you're saying. But from a fan perspective, from watching the video, it makes me so mad. But everything else I loved. Now what's going to happen in their next game? Minnesota constantly going to be mad and constantly going to be looking to get at Ochoa in some way. He better be ready, man. If they score like four goals on this guy, he's going to hear it. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure he knows that. But as a 20-year-old, you got to learn 
somehow. And look, there's no other better way than antagonizing an entire team and club to who you're playing four weeks from now. So I don't hate it, but we should move on to Philadelphia versus Miami with both Higuain brothers having a pretty good story. Josh, why don't you break that down? Yeah, so uh, Inter-Miami traveled up to Chester, Pennsylvania, took on the Philadelphia Union, who I believe scored the first goal and went up one nothing. I'm going to pull that up just to, to confirm. But the biggest takeaway from this game is that the Higuain brothers scored. Um, and now that I'm checking, it was Philadelphia that went up first. It was Jamiro Montero who scored in the 54th minute, and then the Higuain brothers um, scored. The best part was probably uh, Gonzalo's goal. Federico assisted that goal. So that was a special moment. But it was even more special because their mother, unfortunately, um, passed away. I think it was the following day. So that was one of the last things that she got to see was her sons both scoring in a game. And that's uh, that's that's a really special moment for their family. Condolences out to the Higuains, um, obviously, with the, with the passing of their mother. But great win for Miami, obviously, to go on the road to the Supporter Shield. It's pretty hard to beat Philadelphia as some teams know. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I think this is, in my opinion, this is a huge win for Miami. I would even go as far as to say this is kind of a statement win. It's Phil Neville's first win in MLS, um, and for that to happen on the road in Philadelphia is huge. What do you guys take away from this game? Would you also classify this as a statement win for Miami? I think so. I think you mentioned, I think when you were talking about Portland, how they're in Philadelphia, obviously, in CCL, which we'll unfortunately talk about that game later. So there's some, there's kind of a grain of salt to it when you're thinking about, well, this team has to deal with CONCACAF Champions League, and they played Elaine United a couple of days later. Um, so from the Philly perspective, I'm not worried about it. For Miami, I'm excited about it. I think... You know, the Higuain brothers looking, just producing at all, really, I think is awesome. Um, I think in their first game against the Galaxy, for me, in the first half, I thought Miami was kind of leading us into the Miami we expected last year. I think everyone was excited about the team. They were going to be the next Elaine United LAFC in their first season. Didn't really live up to it, so there's a lot of questions, obviously, with Phil Neville being a new manager coming from the England women's national team to MLS. Um, but I liked the way they looked in the first half against the Galaxy. That did not pan through, and the Galaxy got that win against uh, Miami. But I think it's good for Miami. You're beating a really good team. You got Philadelphia out of the way. I assume they played them again um, throughout the season. But you picked up three points against Philadelphia, and when you're a team who still has a lot of question marks around you, three points against the sporting defending supporter shield champs is a big deal so i'm excited for miami i think it can be a statement win again if this run continues i think this might be the game you point to and say this is when it all started to click this is when miami the miami we expected and when the miami we want finally decided to show up Um, but i'm not worried about philadelphia they're in champions league i think they're going to be just fine they'll be a solid playoff team they might make a run to mls cup that wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world to see them make a deep playoff run. So I'm not worried about Philadelphia. I'm excited for Miami. Hopefully this will be the Miami that people expected and people wanted. Connor, what do you think about Miami picking up the win against the defending Supporter Shield champs? 
I think it's a good win, but again, this is Philadelphia coming off of their match against Atlanta, and we saw it in the first week. Yeah, before the match. Oh no, that was before it. Right. Now, to be fair, this will I think help your point, Connor. Philadelphia straight up said we value CCL more than the league right now. So to them, it probably wasn't a big deal that they lost. So that might. Okay, well, my point sort of still stands then. Um, (laughs) uh, Look, losing to Miami, never a bright spot. But again, they're in the middle of Champions League. So I don't blame them for losing this game. I think the Higuain story, I think it's really, really good. Um, A nice sort of touch to the match. But yeah, I don't know how much you can take away from this game. For Philadelphia, for Miami, I think it's a big win against a good club. And you have to take that and run with it, even if they're in the middle of Champions League. So, yeah, that's sort of my thoughts. Let's move on to Colorado versus Austin. So, big game for Austin. They won 3-1. First win in franchise history after losing their first game to LAFC 2-0. And obviously with their first win came their first goals. Diego Fagundes scored the first Austin FC goal ever. And then Cecilio Dominguez, the designated player from Paraguay, uh, followed that up with a brace. Colorado did score first. Um, I don't think either of you caught this game. I personally wasn't able to watch this game because I was at the Atlanta game. Uh, But I did watch the the highlights or the recap of this match. I want to point out that Colorado played pretty well. They just kind of fell apart in the second half. And Austin FC definitely capitalized my question to you guys is, should Colorado be worried at this point? And this is very similar to Dallas. They both drew each other nil-nil in the first week and then followed that up with uh, 3-1 losses in the second week. Colorado is one of those teams that it's kind of like a hipster pick. Like People want Colorado to be good. They're similar to Dallas, not they're leaning into the homegrown and picking up um, players from, you know they like to call them distressed assets. But... Should Colorado be worried after this, after these first two weeks? Yes and no. I think it's, again, very early in the season to sort of decide whether or not that they should be worried. But at the same time, you haven't had the best results over the last two matches, or over the first two matches, so you're not really getting off on the right foot. But I don't think I'd be too worried if I'm Colorado. They're still a pretty decent team. I think they'll be right on the bubble. They might be bad. I don't think there's much that you can sort of read from Colorado to really start the season and sort of take away from it right away. But Drew, what are your thoughts on Colorado? Yeah, I'm kind of going to cop out and pretty much say the same thing. I said about FC Dallas, their upcoming games, they play Vancouver, Minnesota, and Houston are their next three games. I'm not pushing the panic button yet. And I think the jury is still out on Vancouver because I think they have four points in their first two games tying beating Portland, drawing Toronto. So we're still not really sure what Vancouver is going to be like. Um, I'm not pushing the panic button yet, but similar to what I said with Dallas, if these next three matches, especially that Houston game, if they don't get any points from Houston, Vancouver, or Minnesota, or if they don't get a win out of those three matches, I think then it's time to start pushing the panic button. I like to give teams about a month in the season before start panicking or overreacting. And then, Mid-May will be about a month since MLS season has started. So I'll give them 
not quite there yet, but they have some of the results against some teams that they should beat. And if they don't beat those teams, then I think you really got to start pushing the panic button. But I'm not quite there on freaking out on Colorado just yet. For Austin, it was exciting. Um, first win in club history. And they got a tough opponent with LAFC, obviously, in their first game. Um, but good for Austin to get that win. Um, but sticking in the Western Conference, uh, LA Galaxy played the New York Red Bulls. Uh, the Galaxy won 3-2 thanks to Chicharito staying hot. The revenge tour continues for Chicharito, future MVP out of Los Angeles. When it's a Mexican MVP in Los Angeles is not Carlos Vela, the world will explode and we will be happy for it. But Chicharito getting a hat trick, the Galaxy winning 3-2. to But obviously the storyline will be Chicharito and returning to glory, but I think the Red Bulls are a really interesting team, right? Uh, we talked about Andrew Goodman getting a goal. He's on loan from Atlanta, playing on the left there. Um, young team, obviously, we've talked about. This is a interesting team with Gerard Struber and just the youth that this team has. So, Josh, what are your expectations from the Red What they What should they be for the Red Bulls this season? Because I think they're one of those teams that you immediately associate success with. You don't associate an MLS Cup with because they don't have one, but you always assume they're going to be pretty good. They're really young. No wins through the first two games. On the other side of that, the Galaxy are the only team with two wins to start the season. But sticking with the Red Bulls, what do you think the expectations should be for the Red Bulls this season, given the youth, new manager, and everything they got going on? Yeah, so... Even though they've never won MLS Cup and, you know, this kind of running joke, running bit that they'll never win MLS Cup, they're still a perennial playoff team. They've made the playoffs every single year since 2009. I mean, that's well over a decade of making the playoffs. And I think this might be the year where that streak finally snaps. And it's like Drew was just saying, they're just so young. I think, you know, there's there's a lot of untapped potential with the players that they have and, and with Struber and his system. And I think he could very well be a great MLS coach and could really take this team far. But yeah, they just they're just young and you could tell that this is a team that's not quite on the same page yet. Struber's still figuring out his players. They don't have Patrick Clamala yet, I don't think. Um, and there's another player I can't remember who it is that they've they've signed oh, Frankie Amaya did make a cameo appearance at the end. But even he's not like fully integrated into things yet. So I would say we can give it a couple weeks. But through the first two weeks, Red Bulls have yet to secure points. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs this year. And I think expectations for them is to, together, create an identity for a great season next year. I think that should sort of be their expectations. I think if you're a Red Bulls fan, I think you look forward to watching these players improve as the year progresses. But don't expect more than that because... Again, they're young. Struber's got to figure out MLS. It's There's always a learning curve for coaches that have never coached in this league. Um, and it, it's even harder to achieve success with players that are also not experienced. So on the flip side, Galaxy, they look great through two weeks. I don't know how sustainable it is. Chicharito was doing a lot of stretching on the field on on Sunday. And I think Jonah Dos Santos came off with some cramping as well. So they they need to figure out some of that stuff, that long-term stuff. Five goals in two games, pretty good. He's only the second player in MLS history to ever do that. He's the first since, I think it was 2006, first in 15 years. So good good for Chicharito. It's fun to watch him succeed. I never thought I'd say that. 
Um, but here we are. So I'm, I'm looking forward to see if you know, the Galaxy is sustainable and if Red Bulls end up improving. Uh, in terms of the Red Bulls, from what you said, it didn't sound like they played very well. Uh, but they still managed to put two past LA Galaxy. So I think that's impressive in and of itself. Uh, do they have Kaku? Has that situation been sorted out yet? I think it's been sorted out. They're going to end up getting a fee from Al Talun, I'm pretty sure. Okay, so they'll have that money at some point, uh, which they'll be able to spend. But I think you're being a little low on Red Bull. I think late in the season, they'll make a pretty decent push once they have everything figured out. As you mentioned, young team, which means Spry, Limber, can go for longer than the old guys. Uh, similar to the FC Dallas sort of thing that I was saying. So I think Red Bull could be okay. We all sort of had him fringe playoffs. I think that's probably where they'll finish. But, you know, who knows? LA Galaxy, somebody else needs to score. Like, it can't just be Chicharito every time. This pace isn't sustainable for him. And... The second he goes down with an injury, they are done for. They have very little squad depth. Um, so, yes, this start to the season, great. Everybody should be excited about it. They're not going to be good long-term, in my opinion, especially in the second half of the season when the uh, schedule is more condensed. So, enjoy it while you can, LA Galaxy fans. But don't expect this to last very long, is all I'm saying. Let's get into uh, our players and goals of the week. Who wants to start with their player of the week from you two? Because you have the same player. Okay, to be fair, I voted for Chicharito. I put Cecilio Dominguez as my second choice. Obviously, the three of us want to pick Chicharito. He's the obvious choice. There's a reason why he won um, MLS Player of the Week the first two weeks of the season. But I do want to you know, shout out Cecilio Dominguez. It's huge for Austin. Um, it could be, He could be a potential breakout star in the league. I think it would be really cool. Not the first Paraguayan to do it. Right? He might be following Miguel Almaron's footsteps. Um, but yeah, good for him to get a brace. You know, he's finally on the score sheet and he can end up being a really big factor for Austin FC. So Dominguez is my player of the week. I went the cop out and I said Chicharito because I beat these guys to the Google Doc and put that in there. So for the sake of my fantasy team, guy getting a hat trick, I went with the easy route and I said Chicharito was my player of the week. And I thought I'd give Kate Cowell some love because played well this week, goal and assist. Always impressive, especially as a 17-year-old. So, shout out Kate Cowell. What are your goals of the week? Because this week was a lot less spectacular than last week. Is probably putting it very lightly. Are you trying to tell me that the amount of bangers scored in the first week is unsustainable across an entire MLS season? Is that what you're trying to tell me, Connor? Well, no. It's obviously sustainable if they bring in Lionel Messi. But that's not happening anytime soon. So, you know, yeah, a little unsustainable. But there were still some good goals. So you two go first, and then I'll give you my joke answer. I am going to go with Jesus Medina and his Kroll. 
I think is what we're calling them. <laughs> cross and grow, cross and goal, or maybe a grow. I don't know. This is such gross words. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going with Medina. He once again, it was one of the many set piece goals that uh, NYCFC managed to score. But he, I don't know if he was really trying to to score it, but it got past Cincinnati's keeper. So good for him. It ended up being a pretty sweet goal. I went with LA United Barco getting that goal because there are two moments I think in my life when I was watching the TV and I saw the player getting ready to shoot and I think I like audibly said don't shoot don't shoot don't shoot the first was Jermaine Jones's goal against Portugal when he hit the banger and there was this one after the free kick hit the wall he was getting ready to shoot I said these never work this is going 30 feet into the stands this never happens and finds the back of the net. That was awesome. Might be one of the best LA United goals ever. I don't think it's the best, but it was definitely one of the best bangers in LA United's history. So I went with Barco's goal, um, shot the free kick, hit the wall, and came back, and he kind of hit it, uh, hit the bottom of the crossbar and found its way in. So I went with Barco's goal um, off the free kick, but not really off the free kick. <laughs> I just want to ask, Connor, were you impressed with that goal? I like non-Atlanta fan over there. The Barco one? Yes. Yes. He okay. hit that across his body from like 30 yards out off a of volley. It was Here's my thing. Fantastic goal. Definitely an accident. Okay, like, no. These are just, professional soccer players. What was players. he trying to do if it was? That went? isn't done on accident. We're, we're talking about Ezekiel Barco. Okay? He's still frustrated. Yes, a designated <laughs> player. He still gets on my nerves. I thought that goal was going to be the beginning. Watched him in Philly. Oh, by, by the way, I'm going to say it now. Ezekiel Barco will score a free kick goal this year. Probably. Cool. I'm, I'm, no, I'm, I'm guaranteeing it. Probably guaranteeing against Toronto it. FC, if we're being honest. <laughs> Connor, I want to hear about your goal of the week. All right. I'm this, excited for this. This is one of the best goals scored this weekend. Uh, <laughs> highlight reel. The fact that nobody's talking about it is frankly disappointing. Um, <laughs> and it's, you know, his first game back coming off of injury, uh, Against Vancouver, you know, right place, right time, as we like to say with Chicharito a lot. Jonathan Osorio and whatever that was, where it was basically a pinball to his feet. He hit it, uh, I believe, who was in goal? Uh, Crapo, Maxime Crapo, got a piece of it, went high in the air. Crapo dives back to try to save it again and throws it off his post into the net. It was simply the most beautiful MLS goal I've ever seen because it was the peak of what MLS is. Um, I loved it. It was unreal. It was so bad. But, yeah, shout-out Jonathan Osorio. Other shout-out, Luke Singh, who scored his first goal uh, in MLS after signing a first-team contract off the back of his very good... um, match against uh, Club Leon, where he started for the first time. So shout out Luke Singh as well. But let's do games of the week before we take a quick ad break and then talk about CCL. This is going to be a very, very long episode. <laughs> what are your games of the week? Well, I think the obvious one, especially for me and Drew, is New England and Atlanta. My, my favorite two teams... Drew's favorite two teams, I guess, along with Nashville. <laughs> uh, but I'm already going to be watching the Atlanta game anyway because I watch all of them. But 
My other pick will be Minnesota-Austin. I think Minnesota is going to be extremely desperate to get some points, or else why is Adrian Heath talking all that mess? Um, and I, I still want to see if Austin can build on a, a what is probably a, a pretty big road win against Colorado um, down the road. You know, maybe we'll look back and say, hey, that was a, a pretty impressive first win for Austin. So, yeah, I just want to see if they can, can continue to get it done on the road, be a while before Austin gets to be in their home stadium. Uh, and uh, I'm thinking Minnesota will be pretty desperate, so I'll be looking forward to that one. All right, Drew, you're wearing their kit. What's your game? My game is my beloved favorite team as I look at the tweets on my wall behind the computer. The New England Revolution hosting Atlanta United. I think it's going to be interesting. Atlanta United coming off that big 3-1 win against Chicago. Uh, New England, they, they got a win. I totally forgot who they beat. Oh, man, I'm a fake fan. Oh, geez. DC United, the powerhouse of the Northeast DC United, pulled out a dub <laughs> against them. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I think these are two really good teams. I think we'll see them both in the playoffs in the Eastern Conference. So I'm excited about it. LA United coming off that slacking against Philly, but then also getting a big win against Chicago. All right, and I'll finish this off with the actual game people should be looking forward to because it's going to be a good game and will probably show that LA Galaxy aren't as good as they appear to be. LA Galaxy versus the Seattle Sounders. It'll be a very big test for LA Galaxy. Uh, yes, Josh? I just want to point out that you put LA Galaxy versus Seattle Sounders. Just one Sounder showing up. So that should be a good... It's just going to be one Seattle Can Sounder. Can someone add a listener? Raul Rui Diaz it's gonna be, it's versus be, everyone. No, it's going to be Freddie Montero versus all of the LA Galaxy. Yes. Can a listener or someone tell me what the heck a Sounder is? That might be a late podcast question, but what the heck is a Sounder? It's... um. This, the Seattle sound, the Puget sound, I believe, is the like a significant part of Washington. What, one other game I want to give a shout-out to, because we haven't really talked about it, but Nashville and Miami play on Sunday. That'll be really fun. Miami will be missing a lot of players for multi- multitude of reasons, but possible revenge for Miami after the infamous failure of Blaise Matuidi in the playoffs last year. So that should be a pretty spicy matchup. All right, and after uh, our games, we'll see whether or not any of those will be any good. They probably won't, knowing our luck, but we will take a quick break, but we won't take a break because Drew is going to tell us about the sponsor of today's episode. Yes, this podcast is brought to you by Danette May and Mindful Health, featuring Danette May's top superfood product from her Earth Echo Food Lines, Cacao Bliss. It's chocolate, it's healthy, it's good for you. Highly recommended, Danette May, in her Earth Echo Food Line, Cacao Bliss. And we are offering a special deal up to 15% off when you use the code MINUTE15 at earthechofoods.com slash minutemedia. Again, that is MINUTE15 at earthechofoods.com slash minutemedia. It's healthy chocolate for you. Again, Danette May and her top superfood product, cacao bliss so really encourage you guys to take advantage of that offer back to soccer unfortunately we're gonna start with the game that josh was at you got a little scruffily there toward in in the middle of the game got a little conca caffy scruffily the only mls game got conca caffy didn't see that coming but it did elaine united philadelphia philly wins 3-0 i predictions i think we we were kind of, you guys were kind of right. I don't remember the exact predictions, but Philadelphia gets a three zero win. Uh, Jose Martinez is suspended for the second leg. I think is 
newsworthy. Um, but Josh, I want to talk to you about what you thought of the game. How was it being in the stadium for the first time? How was the CONCACAFiness in the stadium? What did you think about it? And I also want to ask you, maybe we can go to this later, but from the TV point of view, it seemed like Atlanta just forgot there was a second leg. That Heinze just threw everything and said, we want to get a goal. We want to go into Philadelphia with at least a goal. And it got back to on that third goal. So what did you think about Heinze's decision to go forward and try to get a goal? Obviously, it cost them losing 3-0. But what did you think about the match in total with Philadelphia getting the 3-0 win? So I just want to address Heinze's motivation, I'll call it first. That's just how he plays. That's just how he wants his teams to play. That's never going to change. It, it doesn't matter. We saw it when they went down a man against Alavalense. They didn't like sit back and absorb pressure the rest of the game. No, they still went forward and tried to fight and get a goal. And that's just how he wants his team to play. They, if it means they're going to lose a game 3 nothing, so be it. But they're going to do it their way. So, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe you can fault Heinze and the team for not being smart and realizing that there's a second leg, but at the same time, like, that, that's just how it's going to be. And if for some reason you're an Atlanta fan and you don't like that, well, then... You should probably stop watching now because that's just how it's going to be. But the game itself, I felt like, you know, and you guys probably agree, but Atlanta played really, really well in the first half. Uh, I think if you go back and look at their expected goals in the first half, they had like 1.7 and Philly was like 0.4. United was creating fantastic chances. They just, I mean, Andre Blake, man, you know, there's a reason why he got MLS goalkeeper of the year last year. He's fantastic. He was making great saves. But I think the biggest part about this game is I'm honestly just super impressed by Philadelphia Union. The, how far they've come in the last couple of years and, and how, how much of a culture has been built up by Jim Curtin and his team is so impressive. They, they did conquer Calf Atlanta. They conquered Calf them pretty hard. They were definitely trying to antagonize both the Atlanta players and the fans in the stadium and everybody bit they all fell for it pretty much I think Heinze did a decent job of trying to keep the players calmed down obviously there was still a scruffle as Drew likes to call it Um, and that was super entertaining for me because that was like 10 rows in front of me Uh, I was I was literally on that corner as you guys know I sent you that video um, of the of the the scruffle but you know the, the craziest thing about this game and being there is, well, first, I've been to about 35 Atlanta United games since they came into the league. I've only seen about six losses. So they win or draw almost all the games, right? It's always how it's been. They're great at home. There is one game that this game reminded me of, and we've talked about it on this podcast before, that May 2018 home game against the New York Red Bulls. When Atlanta went up early, they had a goal disallowed by VAR. Red Bulls came back, scored two quick goals. The fans started getting all upset and entitled about calls not going their way, when in reality they were just getting beat by a better team. This is the same situation. Philadelphia capitalized on their opportunities. The fans got really upset about it, and when I tell you that the vibe turned so toxic in that building, like it just it felt like a light switch had been flipped um, pretty much after that second Philly goal. So 
I mean, frustrating for Atlanta. As an Atlanta fan, I'm, I'm not really that disappointed in the game because, like I said, it was fun to watch. Atlanta are back to being a fun, entertaining team. And with what Atlanta has had to endure between Frank DeBoer and especially how awful the 2020 season was, I'm, I'm going to be honest, I'd rather lose all the games 3-0 if we look like that as opposed to how we've looked in the past, um, kind of ambiguous and without a clear plan. So I don't know if Atlanta can overturn this. I don't think they can. Props to Philadelphia, though. They, I mean, they're proving everybody that I think, you know, that last year the Supporters' Shield, not a fluke. They're still this good with, with losing Brendan Aronson and Mark McKenzie. I mean, that is that is impressive. That's super impressive. So I tip my cap to Philadelphia, honestly. Uh, yeah. Drew, do you have any thoughts on this, or is your mic gone? No, I'm back. I'm back. I think, yeah, my, my computer was about to die, so I had to plug it up, but yes, I am back. Um, Yes, thoughts on Atlanta, Philadelphia? I thought, yeah, I think, Josh, you bring up a good point with just how the way Heinze is going to play with this whole, we're going to go for the goal even though we're down, because I think if you look at the flip side of it, and if that worked, and I think he had solid reason to go for it. Like you mentioned, they were creating chances left and right to start the game. So, I mean, if Atlanta were to come back and got that goal, and instead of losing 3-0, they lost 2-1, I mean, going to Philadelphia down 2-1 is not – it's hard, but it's not impossible. So he made the decision to keep going for it. That's how he plays. And if it worked, it would have been awesome, but on the wrong side of it. So I'm not too upset about him going for it, even though in this situation it didn't work out for him. Um yeah, I mean, Atlanta just didn't finish chances. A lot of that's Andre Blake. And I don't know if you are the same way, Josh, but for a while there it felt like there was just no creativity in the final third. I thought it was just give the ball to Jurgen Dom and just let him see. Take him one-on-one, fire and a cross. And I think his crossing, I saw a stat. It wasn't very accurate. It was like four for 13 or something like that. So that kind of got frustrating. But there, the best chances were little one-two play in the middle. I think Moreno had a chance that got saved. I think maybe even Dom had a chance that got saved. But that was frustrating for me at the beginning. It felt like they were just giving it to him on the right and saying, hey, go to work. But like you said, credit to Philadelphia Union. Atlanta didn't finish their chances, and Philly made him pay for it. Yeah, I mean, the longer the game went on and Atlanta was unable to score, the more it felt like, ah, you know, Philadelphia's going to get a goal at some point, and all this is going to have been for nothing. And it kind of ended up being that way. With Dam... Uh, you know, his crossing ability or lack of was kind of a meme coming into uh, before he signed Atlanta. Like, that's the joke is, like, he's good at everything but the crossing. So to see him whipping in all these crosses at the end of the game is frustrating, and it kind of felt like Atlanta did run out of ideas by the end. But while they have struggled in the attacking third up to this point, I, I felt like, especially in that first half, they were fine. It's just Blake is a fantastic keeper, and Atlanta couldn't get past him. So... I really just chalk it up to, you know, Andre Blake being that much better than Atlanta's creativity, um, at least in the first half. But, you know, one thing: this is every time we talk about Atlanta United, I think we have to talk about this guy. Santiago Sosa is so freaking good. He's, oh, he's phenomenal. Awesome. I never thought he's the guy. When I watch the game now, he's a defensive midfielder. My eyes go to this dude. When he he's so good. I saw a tweet about him going to Europe, and I didn't even think about that. But there, I I think he's right. I think that he's going to get to Europe. But even it's even more fun in person, if I'm being honest, not to not to brag, not too to much, make me even more mad. 
You'll be at a game soon now that uh, we're at 100% capacity. Um, moving on, though, to... Speaking of teams <laughs> disappointing us, Connor. <laughs> yeah, so moving on to the Toronto Cruiser School game, obviously, Connor, you watched this game. You know, your boys ended up losing 3-1. I have just one question, easily the most important question that will be asked about this game. Since this was played at Raymond James Stadium, home of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, which is hilarious to me, did they shoot off the cannon when Toronto scored their one goal? I don't think so. Oh, uh, bummer. Because they shoot off the cannon when the Bucks score touchdowns, so I was hoping that for some reason that would get We hear that a lot as Falcons fans. We hear that cannon way too much. <laughs> pain, just pain in your <laughs> eyes, um, which is a lot of how I felt for this match. Uh, obviously, it could have been 4-1, Thankfully, they introduced VAR that day, and the goal got called back. Um, so, you know, that's a positive. That's about where it ended, though. Um, I don't think Toronto FC World played that badly. I think it was a fairly even match, apart from set pieces, which I've alluded to earlier in the episode. Toronto FC set piece defending, oh, it's bad. It is terrible. Now, how much does that have to play with Mavinga not being there and uh, Rich, Richie Larea missed the game because he's been suspended for it? Um, obviously, they don't have Pazuelo. Josie Altador is basically a pylon at this point with whatever that pass was on the first goal. He is solely responsible for that. That was unbelievably terrible. He did absolutely nothing was completely useless for that entire match there was no point in him being there the second Iowak and Ola came on there was more of a threat the second Patrick Mullins came on there was more of a threat and that's saying something so Josie's got to figure his crap out or there's going to be a big big problem here and we'll see what Jefferson Soteldo does for him in terms of chance creation but Chosie was terrible um but apart from that Bono wasn't great he was out of position a couple of times I'd like Quinton Westberg to be between the pipes and the second leg to hopefully guide the back line a bit more on set pieces because uh, he has a bit more experience with that but who knows we'll see um overall it could have ended a lot worse, is probably the bottom line. Getting a goal is big, but three goals in Mexico is going to be incredibly difficult to accomplish. So we will see whether or not they can do that. But let's move on to our next match because we've been going for over 100 minutes. Columbus Crew versus Monterey. 2-2 draw. Congratulations, Drew, who accurately predicted this match's outcome josh you were close at 1-1 but what did you guys think about this match how do you think columbus did i thought columbus played monterey off the field honestly they they outplayed monterey pretty much the whole match um they had a third goal taken away from var uh bradley wright phillips goal and they just kind of switched off for like one second at the end of the game and monterey made them pay and I think that's kind of where we still see a gap between MLS and Liga MX right now is 
the league mx teams kind of look they just look a little more up for it it's not as bad as it was in past years and i still think we could see two or three mls teams advance to the final four this season it's definitely a, a very real possibility at this point but yeah i mean i think columbus crew are gonna be kicking themselves after this game honestly it's gonna be that much harder to go down to monterey now and um and, and pull it off and get through this this draw this tie but it was it was promising to see columbus playing so well I hope they can get it done. They're going to have to do it without Lucas Elleron, who got a questionable yellow pretty early on in uh, in this match. So that's a big bummer because he scored their second goal. And we obviously know how important Elleron is and how impressive he is in big moments like this. So it'll it'll be interesting to see how the second leg turns out. I think there's a lot that Columbus can be proud of, but um, I'm skeptical about them being able to advance. Drew, what can you take away from this game? Yeah, I didn't catch the whole game. I was watching it with my roommates who, it's fun talking about CONCACAF Champions League because they're like, wait a second, this team is in the United States. Like, why are they playing an MLS team? And it's a whole spiel. But yeah, I came back. My my roommate did the same exact thing. He was like, I don't understand why MLS teams play each other, but it has nothing to do with MLS standings. And I was like, oh my gosh. (laughs) It blew his mind that the... Atlanta-Philadelphia game didn't change anything in the stakes, but anyway. <laughs> so I came back. I went and got pizza, came back, and it was 2-1 Columbus, and turns out it was actually 1-1 Columbus, so that was frustrating. But, yeah, I think, again, like Josh said, from the tidbits I got, Columbus was really good, except for that last tidbit toward the end of the game, which ultimately costed them. And it's wild to think that, you know, a draw against Monterey. Obviously, we know how good they are in traditional powerhouses in this tournament. And in previous situations, I think you take a 2-2 draw with Monterey and you feel good about it. But given the fact that it could have been 3-1 to one had that goal not been called off, I didn't see the goal. I don't know if it was the right call or not. And if you just didn't go to sleep toward the end of the match, you could potentially be going into Mexico up 3-1 with as you're one of the best teams in the league i'd feel pretty confident in columbus holding out a 3-1 lead in mexico however the game is in columbus those two away goals from Monterey are huge so columbus is going to have to score probably gonna have to score multiple and monterey they can chill out they can play around in the back a little bit they can pass the ball around they can have possession they can do whatever they want columbus is going to have to do something come out of the shell a little bit to get a goal and that's going to be tough. Going to Mexico is not easy. Uh, we don't see teams doing it a whole lot in MLS. We've seen it happen more and more, which is exciting, but it's a lot to ask. Um, I think Columbus can absolutely come out with a win. They can absolutely go through, but it's a large ask, and it would have been a whole lot easier if they just held on for a couple more minutes, maybe probably a couple more seconds. I think that might have been the last kick of the game. Um, but yeah, Connor, did you catch any of this game or thoughts on it? Can Columbus do it going to Mexico? Can they pull out the win? I did not. Uh, I missed this match. But I will get into my prediction in a second. I think what you said, Josh, in terms of Columbus massively outplaying Monterey, I think that's the key here. Yes, they turned off for a couple of seconds, but the fact that they massively outplayed them I think you can take that away and you can understand like, look, they're a better team. They are a better team than Monterey. And if they're just turned on for the entire 90 minutes, they're going to win. 
period. So, yeah, I don't think you should be massively worried if you're a Columbus fan. I think you can have a tough road ahead of you in terms of having to go to Mexico and scoring a goal, but I think it's very, very, very doable. Final match, though, Portland versus Club America. Either of you catch this game, and if you did or didn't, what were your thoughts on the match? I thought it was just Portland. It was the most important thing in the world. I thought last second penalty call. I love Portland's owner being behind the goal. The Portland Timbers and Portland Thorns owner. Um, I'm blanking on his name. Merritt, I think is his first name. Merritt Paulson. Merritt Paulson. He freaked out. He was like calling the spot, which was cool. I had never seen an owner do that. So that was cool. Um, yeah, Portland get that last second penalty kick and uh, put it away. Also, um, I think the Timbers honored, honored Diego Valeri's father, who also passed away, unfortunately. Um, so obviously, condolences to the Valeri family um, as MLS has been a tough week. But Portland, yeah, I mean, they got they didn't get a point. I hate when announcers are saying that they got a point on the road. But, yeah, they came back. They fought. And that was just the most Portland Timbers thing in the world to somehow get any anything out of that game. It was like the exact opposite of the Columbus game, right, that it's a draw that feels like a win. Now, granted, they do have to go to Mexico and Club America does have that away goal. Um, but I think Portland can do it. I think if any team can do it, it's Portland. They're scrappy. They're a weird They're weird in that they're always pulling this kind of stuff out, and I wouldn't put it past them to go through. It's going to be a lot to ask, but we've talked a little bit about Club America. It might not be the Club America of old, you know, losing MLS teams. But, yeah, I mean, Portland, they salvaged a point. Not a point. Gosh, they salvaged a goal. Um, so they're going to Mexico with the potential winning, getting a goal out of that game is not impossible. So I, I have high hopes for Portland. I thought they played really well. Um, and I mean, yeah, they got the penalty. They kind of conquered America, the last second penalty that they slotted away. So I'm excited about it. Um, did either of you guys catch the match or any thoughts on Portland getting the one, one draw at home? I saw like the first 70 ish minutes and I fell asleep. <laughs> Because these late games, this game man, they're the worst. Late night. <laughs> so drinking coffee at nine Which, p.m. now. Yeah. By the way, there's an eleven p.m. game for us on the East Coast coming up this weekend. Um, Who? I'm checking. Oh, San Jose, DC. Oh, that's gonna be a scrappy game. Oh, man, we'll not DC be watching United that fans, game. Those poor DC United fans. As if they had a reason yeah, enough not rough. to be happy. <laughs> um, so unfortunately, I missed the Portland penalty. Of course. Because all the best stuff happens after you fall asleep. Um, I mean, I, th- I thought Portland, you know, held their own. Club America's not as scary as I think they used to be a couple years ago. And I don't. Now that I, I think I saw a stat, they haven't they haven't beaten an MLS team in North America, like in uh, U.S. or Canada, in like three or four years. They they've got like six draws and seven losses or something like that. So. Club America's, Club America's got to figure that out. If you're going to be one of the biggest clubs in League MX, I don't know how you're. Uh, struggling that bad but this is a this is a winnable tie for for portland i think it's a winnable tie for columbus i mean it's rough that they gave up these away goals but they've sort of set themselves up in a a decent position for that second leg so that's probably probably the best thing for portland out of this all right and let's wrap up the podcast quick fire predictions let's start off atlanta versus philadelphia josh what is your prediction? Yeah, I'm going 1-0 Atlanta. 
this is kind of a thing that they do. They like to lose the first leg of the CONCACAF Champions League quarterfinal 3-0 and then come back with a 1-0 win. They've done it the last two years, so I expect them to do it again. It's going to be for nothing, but they're going to win. I'm going to go with a 2-1 Philadelphia win. I think Atlanta's going to throw the kitchen sink at them, and I think it'll give them a goal, but I don't think, like we saw in that third goal, I think Philadelphia's going to make them pay for it. And Jim Curtin in his hoodie, man, the mo- the best dress manager in MLS, will strike again. So I think Philadelphia's going to go to the semifinal. I think they'll win 2-1. All right, and I will finish off our predictions with Philadelphia winning 2 nothing because... Philadelphia are are a better team than Atlanta, but I will quickly move on so I don't get yelled at. Next match, where I we've been saying it too. That's true. Next match, where I'll probably get yelled at again. Toronto FC versus Cruz Azul. Drew, we'll start with you this time because you have a boring answer, although it would be very exciting. Yeah, I'm saying two to draw. Um, Yeah. I think Toronto's going to throw the house at him again, and it might work a little bit, especially if the new signing's available, which that still remains to be seen. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to say 2-2. I think Cruzville's a good team, obviously. Top of the league MX, I think, last time we talked, they were top of the league, and they showed why in the last leg. Uh, I think it's going to be a fun game. It's going to be an exciting game, but it's not going to be enough to push Toronto through. So I'm going to go with a 2-2 draw, pushing Cruz Azul into the semifinals. All right, Josh, what's your prediction? 2-0, Cruz Azul. Yep. All right, I'll finish us off with a 3-0 Toronto FC win. I think Jefferson Soteldo will have a huge impact. Richie Larea Larea (laughs) will be back, uh, and I think he'll have a big impact. And hopefully... Chris Mavinga will be back, which will be a big boost to the back line. So I'm going 3-0 Toronto FC, which will never happen in Toronto FC, are pretty much done in Champions League. Let's move on to Columbus versus Monterey. Drew, you're, again, boring. Go ahead. I know, man. I got it right last time. I'm going with it again. I'm going to say a 1-1 to draw, which is not good for Columbus because then Monterey would go through on away goals because they would have two away goals compared to Columbus's one if this were to happen, I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going to say a one-to-one draw. I think losing Zellerion is going to be huge. And obviously, yeah, I think we talked about it. He's phenomenal. He's so good, and he scored that goal, so everyone knows how good he is. I think it's going to cost him, and I think Monterey is going to get a goal. Columbus will get a goal. But one-to-one draw, I think Monterey is going to go through. Josh, what you got for Columbus-Monterey? I think Columbus will be able to at least score, but I'm going to go with a 2-1 Monterey win. Oh, I always back the MLS club, so here goes Naive. nothing. <laughs> yes, very. 3 nothing <laughs> Columbus. They are a very, very good team, and it seems that both of you are forgetting it, even without Lucas Zellerian. So I am backing the Columbus crew to demolish Monterey, and put MLS on the map as a crazy, crazy good league in CONCACAF, and the vitriol between Liga MX and MLS fans will be just delicious. Finally, wrapping up before we do our fantasy update, Portland Timbers versus the Columbus Crew. I'll go first. Columbus Crew? 
Club America. Oh, I'm having a good podcast today, folks. Portland Timbers versus Club America. I will go first because I feel like mine's kind of boring, and Josh, you'll go second because you're also boring. I have Portland winning one nothing. Always back the MLS team. Josh, your pick. I think Club America is going to end up winning one nothing. I think it'll be scrappy, but they'll just they'll be have the slight advantage. Scruffy. Oh God, Drew, what's your prediction? First off, scruffle is a word. I encourage you guys to go check out that definition. But yeah, I'm saying two to one Portland. Uh, yeah, I think they can do it. It's gonna be tough. Some scruffles will be happening, but I'm saying Portland wins two one and goes through. Oh, it really is a word. It's like is the it? the Irish version of scuffle. Oh my gosh! All right. Wow. <laughs> I can't pronounce words, but I have a weird vocabulary. That's my that's my thing, man. Yes, because you definitely knew that was a word before you Googled it. (laughs) Okay, whatever. Let's finish off with a fantasy update because we've been going for almost two hours at this point. So let's drag it to two hours. (laughs) Who wants to give the fantasy update this week? Drew, you go ahead. I got us, man. Um, Leading the league is... Blender Daddy's Boys Henderson shouts out to you, man, for the coolest name in the league and also leading the league. You got 157 league season points. Um, got 78 points on the week, so shout out to him. Out of us, Connor is winning so far. He is in seventh. He has 130 season points. Uh, he has 55 points in the week. I am in 10th, and I have 122 season points. I got 69 points on the week. Nice. Nice. (laughs) And Josh, you are currently 14th out of 16th with 87 season points and 22 points on the week. So that is the weekly fantasy update. Shouts out to Blender Daddy's boys at first place. I really hope he wins the league now just so we can keep saying that. Um, Yes, that is your fantasy update. I will say, on my bench this week, a certain Nkosi. Nice. Speaking of Nkosi Tafaro, we talked to him. He's a wonderful person. We love talking to him. Talk to him about black players for change in MLS. He's awesome. Really encourage you guys to go give that a listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to this podcast. That podcast will be available. Really important stuff. Really awesome person. Really appreciated talking to him. And as always, you can go to MLSMultiplex.com to check out really awesome written articles from all of our contributors as we cover this crazy MLS season in CONCACAF Champions League. And you can follow the website on Twitter at MLSMultiplex. You can follow myself at Twitter at underscore Drew Hubbard, Josh at Josh underscore Boland, and Connor at CWG Somerville. Follow us on Twitter, visit the website, and please, please, please give that and Kosi Tafara podcast a listen. That was very important stuff and really enjoyed talking with them. So thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back next week with another episode talking MLS, CONCACAF Champions League, and this crazy world of soccer we're in. But thank you guys so much, and we will talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com.
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.